Welcome everyone, you are listening to Digital Sites on CQT 90.3 FM in Montreal. I am your host, Sausan Kadura. So as you know, probably by now, Digital Sites air every first Thursday of every month from 2 to 3 p.m. We cover topics and news related to visual digital arts in all its form. It could be printed, online, projected on buildings and so on. And one of the digital sites you see all around you on a daily basis that you might not think about much is words. We are exposed to dozens of, if not hundreds, of typefaces every day by the simple act of reading the word that surrounds us. Phones, computers, tablets, TVs, books, documents, street signs, posters, menus, and the list list, uh, goes on of uh, examples of platforms that shows us text every day. Typefaces are important to convey a variety of messages and stories, but also to make sure the written word is uh, continuously adapted to its various modern usage and all new uh, technological platforms. Despite that, we don't really think much about typefaces. So today we will focus on typefaces and typeface design and try to think about the modern written word in a different way. And to do that, we will look at typefaces in a different context than the Western uh, world. We will look at uh, typefaces in in the Middle Eastern context in particular. The Middle Eastern case is interesting because typeface designers there are facing few challenges when it comes to creating typefaces for Arabic alphabet. The low number of typefaces for Arabic, comparing to the Latin alphabet at least, makes us raise a lot of questions about the importance of typefaces everywhere really and their link to their cultural context. So to understand more what I'm talking about, I will be playing an interview that I did with typeface designer Azza Alamedzin. So keep listening to Digital Sites. It seems that typeface design in the Middle East is in a bit of crisis. Although the design world is uh, bustling and extremely rich and uh, creative, it seems that few designers are actually venturing into typeface design. This means today type designers for Arabic alphabet seems to be rare, if we can say so. 
So one of the few designers who designs for Arabic alphabets today is Azza Alamedzin. Azza is a graphic designer and a type designer. She's from Lebanon. She holds a BA in visual communication from Créapol in Paris and a master's in typeface design from the University of Reading in the UK. She is currently based in Spain and she is with us on the phone to discuss more uh, this phenomena that I just mentioned. We're going to talk about typeface design in general, but also learn more about the current situation of typeface design in the context of Arabic alphabet. With Azza, we will also discuss the relationship between type design or typefaces and identity and culture. And we will also talk about the specificity of designing for Arabic alphabets or designing Arabic letters as opposed to Latin letters. So thank you very much, Azza, for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I guess before we go deeper in our discussion about typeface design for Arabic alphabet in particular, and maybe the current challenges, as I mentioned, and the particularities and so on, I thought it was a good idea to maybe start the interview by clarifying certain terms, especially for people outside of the design world, our listeners who might not be designers. And if you can start maybe by explaining, because like I said, you're a typeface designer, so maybe if you can start by explaining what is typeface and what is the difference between typeface and font, because that's one of the most uh, confusion sometimes people have. They tend to use these words interchangeably, but there is a difference. So can you maybe explain to us this, uh, these terms and their differences? Uh, yes, of course. Um, actually, this, uh, even like designers have problems with this, graphic mm -hmm. designers, and understanding the difference. The difference is not really huge. It's just really like to, to mention like a group of things uh, instead of one single thing. So actually, for example, a font is, we can say it's a repeated system of harmonious letter. And it's usually, when we say a font, we, we mean only one style. So it could be, for example, uh, Arial Bold, while a typeface is actually a, a font with different styles inside. So it's like a family that has different styles uh, of fonts. So for example, Arial, we can say Arial is a typeface, and Arial Bold, Arial Regular, Arial Italic, italic etc is a font and another thing also i thought maybe it was uh, would be interesting to kind of clarify for our listeners because there's a lot of um i don't know if i want to call it job titles but there's a lot of words that people use that are related to designing letters so we have typeface design like you but there's also calligraphy lettering um typography so can you maybe clarify a little bit also these terms what is the difference between what you do and what and these other things that I just mentioned? Yes. So actually, so maybe we can clarify like the difference between calligraphy, uh, lettering, and and type, uh, type design. So actually, calligraphy usually involves a tool, and it's uh, calligraphy is also always uh, in, like you are writing something. So it's the art of writing. Uh, while uh, lettering, you can, it's mostly you are writing and drawing letters at the same time. So you, in lettering, you're not specifically using one tool and just writing with it. There's kind of faking uh, the, the outlines of a letter. So you can actually draw, for example, the letter instead of writing it. In uh, type design, you're actually also uh, drawing a letter. So you're only really drawing the outlines of a letter. You're not really writing it with a specific tool. Although you are, you are drawing it with a specific tool, which is nowadays a software. 
such. It's uh, kind of it's a system that is based on uh, drawing. So yeah, in calligraphy, so not to confuse people, calligraphy is writing, lettering is drawing, and typeface is drawing, but in, within a system. So actually, you are drawing letters and putting it that, them all in a system, which is a software that allows you to type in specific letters on your keyboard and you get the outcome as a drawn uh, letter on your uh, on your computer. So uh, you are a graphic designer. As I mentioned, you have a BA in visual communication, but you did your master's in typeface design. So can you maybe talk to us about this? What sparked your own interest in typefaces in general and why typefaces are important? Uh, what What kind of role do they play? Yeah, actually, I was uh, so I was a graphic designer for almost uh, four years when I decided to do a master's in typeface design. It started from just uh, doing lots of branding work for uh, in the Arab world and realizing that we really lack Arabic uh, typefaces. So actually, I I used to uh, when designing for a brand, I used to, I started uh, drawing my own uh, letters doing lots of lettering because I was really frustrated with, with what, the, what the, the, the Arabic typefaces we had in the market. They were all similar. They were very constructed. They didn't have this Arabic identity to them. So I started just doing lettering and I thought that I really knew nothing about it. So I did some research and uh, after a couple of years working with Arabic brands, I, was, I had this feeling that I needed to really take it to another level and be more professional about it and really uh, learn how to draw real Arabic uh, lettering. And also I was attracted by uh, also Arabic type design. So I decided to apply to this uh, university and um, I got uh, there. It was, it's a one-year program, very intense. You learn a lot, but also you're overwhelmed a lot in one year. So what happened next is really what was also taught me a lot more, which was uh, once I, I got in the real like type design uh, business, so design real professional typefaces. And this is how you, I got the opportunity to do it and expand a, a bit my, uh, my experience. Mm -hmm. And as of your second part, it was why, uh, why they are important. So yeah, why typefaces are important, why we should design yeah. typefaces. Well, there are, I mean, in my opinion, there are two two really huge aspects. The first one is that, that it's, there's a functional aspect, of course, which is we need them to read. And without them nowadays, no one, of course, is writing on paper anymore. So we need typefaces to be able to communicate with each other, to be able to understand each other. So there's this really superficial aspect to it that we need to read every day, Everyone reads every day. We, we, we read a lot without even noticing. Mm -hmm. And of course, the most important part is the, the more artistic part because each, each typeface has a voice, it has a personality. And therefore, if you are, let's say, a brand and you need to communicate with your uh, clients, you need to, to communicate in the correct voice. Otherwise, uh, your brand won't reach the right audience. So these are the two aspects. I think it's very typefaces really matter a lot uh, because have a functional uh, part of in them and also an artistic uh, part, which nowadays with design it's becoming really the most important part. Mm -hmm. 
So you mentioned in the Arabic world, there's not a lot of typefaces. I heard, and I correct me if I'm wrong, but I heard that there's only five to six typeface designers in the world right now designing for Arabic alphabet. So can you, I don't know if you would know that, but is that true? Is this, is the situation so bad? And why there's not many typefaces designed for the Arabic alphabet in general? I don't think it's five. I mean, I, I I started counting, I think, last week. I was trying to figure out the right amount because I didn't uh, uh, want, like, in my, of course, in my head, like, there are so uh, few of them. But uh, if I start, I started counting and just the people I know, it's around, like, 20, maybe. Okay. <laughs> but um, I'm sure there are so many others, like, in parts of the world, like, more in um for example, lots of Iranian typeface designers. I'm not aware of Pakistani in uh, even Afghanistan and India. I'm sure these people aren't online. Maybe they are. I'm not aware of them because of their maybe uh, uh, maybe they don't have a, like a presence online. Doesn't mean that they don't exist. But uh, in my like in the small community in our community, like I know maybe so around yeah 20 people. And uh, these are, I'm talking about really professional typeface designers, meaning that they actually design typefaces and make money out of it. It's not like uh, people who are just, uh, you know, designing for fun. Mm -hmm. So but then you have also, it's not just about the number, you have to check like the quality. Recently there has, there have been, there has been lots of uh, high quality Arabic graphic designers. Some people are more uh, have designed more typefaces than others, and some have more like best-selling typefaces than others. So that's why, maybe in your head, it's five, and it's is maybe five high-quality designers. I would say so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not just about numbers. You have to also think about are they producing good stuff that are uh, usable by brands, or is it really just more amateur uh, types? And why do you think there's this lack of uh, design for the Arabic alphabet, this lack of typeface designs for the Arabic alphabet? How did we get to this situation? I think that it came from the, um, you know, the lack of knowledge uh, about these things that we can actually design typefaces. I mean, I even at, uh, at school, like at university, I... I was a bit aware of it, but I didn't really give it any much attention un until I realized the lack of uh, high-quality typefaces. And I only realized it when I actually needed it. So it's really this, maybe we can, it came from the lack of a need to this, because not, just, not because we, we actually in reality don't need it, but because we, we don't even know its potential. So I think like brands, for example, they... There, like 10 years ago, there was this huge um, typeface, very famous, that was really like, used in all brands from, uh, especially Procter & Gamble. I mean, I used to work in an ad agency in Beirut, and they used this typeface for everything, every single product there. And I'm sure there were other typefaces, but there, as I said, it wasn't really that, they weren't that good. So the problem was a lack of it, but also a lack of knowledge that how important this was for a brand. And therefore, when you don't know something, you don't know that you actually need, need it, right? Like mm -hmm. even me, like even the creative director or the art director, they never thought that, ah, actually, let's uh, change this typeface for this product because 
all the products have the same typeface. It's not possible that the same, like a million products just communicate in the same way. It doesn't make any sense. So yeah, this, this, the, the lack of uh, like Arabic typeface designers came from the lack of knowledge basically on how important communicating the right way, right way for brand is. I did another interview that also revolved around typeface design. The interview was with typeface designer Trey Seals in the U.S. And with Trey, we discussed the link between um, culture identity and, and design and typeface design in particular. So he was talking that he did some research and he realized in the context of the U.S. only 3% of typeface designers for Latin alphabets are black. And so he, this reality prompted him to design new typefaces that would reflect and represent his community, but also important social events from the history of various marginalized communities in the U.S. So, for example, he would design typefaces that would be visually inspired by uh, writings he saw on, uh, on, uh, on banners during important protests uh, throughout the years. And so he uh, designed different typefaces. For example, he had a typeface called... Uh, Stonewall, which recognized the LGBTQ 1969 riots at the Stonewall Inn in Greenwich uh, Village. Um, he has a font called uh, Carrie, a sans serif that honors women suffrages, suffrage in the United States. You know, Martin named after Martin Luther King. So um, he took from, um, I guess, banners or different visuals that were distributed during specific movements and took these writings. And based on that, he made typefaces that sort of represent this uh, these communities and these stories. And so um, that connection, I guess, uh, between identity and culture and typeface design, I thought it was very interesting. And it made me think, uh, do what, we, what can we say about that in the Arabic context? Because we're talking about Arabic alphabet and how, how literate there, are, there is when it comes to typeface design. So um, obviously, like he says, there is a practical inconvenience for designers where they don't have a large pool of uh, design to choose from in their work. But also I, was, I wanted to kind of look at it from a cultural point of view. I was wondering, would there be problem that could emerge for having so little design for the Arabic language? So is there consequences, do you think, like from your opinion, do you think is there consequences that the Arabic language continues to fall behind a little bit on this front and continue to lack different design in this uh, in the context of the modern world, the modern uses of language. So do you have anything to say about th about that, about this connection with cultural identities and so on? Yeah, definitely. It's a very interesting, actually, uh, uh, question. Well, first of all, for example, in the um, even in the Arab world, you know, we we are not uh, we we are not used to reading the same letter shapes and even the same the, the our script styles are different. For example, in the Levant area, so around the, uh, Jordan, Lebanon, Syria, uh, Palestine, all of these three regions, we we kind of start reading in a like our, in our children, in, the, in our reading books, we start reading in a specific uh, style in school. In other areas, for example, in Iran, on all the, the Western part of the Middle East, I mean, inherently, we don't read the same way and the same shape. So for, so you have already this cultural, you know, difference from since we are born, kind of our, our visual culture is different, meaning that when we read something and when we see something, we don't see it in the same way. So our the context of, uh, for example, 
when we see something on the street in a specific uh, shape in Iran, it doesn't convey the same feeling as in uh, in Jordan, for example. Mm. So first of all, you have this difference in culture that, that in my opinion, we should keep uh, preserving and not try to like harmonize everything, all that putting everyone in one basket and saying, no, we all read Arabic, so we are all all going to read uh, in a specific style. This, I think, is very, very important to preserve the identity also of each uh, country, uh, regardless of the fact that, of course, we uh, there's globalization uh, happening uh, and the world is more open, but it doesn't mean that we should take our, we should lose a bit of our identity. And then, uh, and then, if you take this on a more global aspect, so comparing to the Western world, the one of the, like you mentioned, that what could happen, like I think long term, and what we are seeing, what we have seen, I think in the last uh, ten years, was that the Latin script was kind of imposing itself on the Arabic script. You, I don't know if you, I'm sure you're familiar with lots of brands, especially in the Emirates, who had opened the shops. Uh, had to do their signage in Arabic, and uh, the solutions were catastrophic. That we had uh, very, very constructed Arabic uh, letter shapes, completely geometric, that had nothing to do with the Arabic uh, script, and therefore it kind of took away the Arabic uh, identity of the script. And this came from the fact that the Latin was actually not the Latin itself. I mean, the the designers who did this instead of like taking the essence of the Arabic script and kind of adapting it a bit to the brand, they just took the, the Latin as a reference and started to impose the Latin uh, letter shapes on the Arabic. And this, of course, is completely wrong. And until today, we are still like suffering from these uh, mistakes that uh, uh, people have done like 10 years ago. And it, it's very, very dangerous because a lot of people still see them as a reference. And I still get today like brands asking me to wanting to do similar stuff. And like my whole, uh, I spent so many hours writing emails, like to, to convince them that this is wrong. And this uh, takes out the, the identity of the Arabic. And this has nothing to do with Arabic. This is kind of a Latinized uh, form. And this this can be really dangerous in the sense that long term it can really take out the, the identity of the Arabic script. And this is exactly what we don't want. If people want to type, so if designers are listening and want to start typeface, typeface design for the Arabic alphabet, let's say, is there any specific rules to follow when it comes to typeface design um, for the Arabic alphabet? Uh, you were talking there's this sort of uh, imposition of the look maybe and the feel and the the rules maybe of uh, designs that are made for Latin alphabet and there are being imposed on Arabic alphabet. Is there rules to follow? I don't know if that's the right words or the right way to ask the question, but is there rules to follow when it comes to designing typefaces for the Arabic alphabet? Is there more research maybe needs to be done? Um, when people design for typefaces, it, like, there's a lot of consideration to take. Uh, there's a lot of measurements and math and numbers as well. And so I, was, so I was wondering if that translates to the design of Arabic alphabets. Like I mentioned, is there any rules to follow anything like that? It's not really rules. It's more like you have to set a brief for yourself. Like, uh, what are you designing for? Who are you designing for? Is it if it's a text typeface, let's say, if it's meant to be read in a long paragraph, you design it in another way than if it's a display typeface that you need it for titles. 
So it really depends on what you are doing. Of course, a general rule is to do a lot of research uh, into the script, the essence of the script. You have to, it's really essential to read some history about the script, to know also like the, the context that I mentioned, where this style is used in the Arab world and what can't context it is used. And if, if and can I use it now nowadays or have, have these uh, habits changed over time or whatever. So the most important thing is to once you have your brief, to see how uh, people read nowadays. And because at the end of the day, you, you are designing for a specific uh, audience. You know, you're not like just doing something uh, in the absolute, like just doing something. I mean, you can, if you want, you can do just something that is kind of for everyone, but then you have, of course, more freedom to do anything you want. But I'm, I'm talking about more if you're doing a specific, you have a specific brief and you are doing it for a specific purpose. If the typeface is going to use in a specific context, then of course you have to do a lot of research in the structure, in the structure of the typeface, in the weight it needs to be in, in the, in what the platform it is going to be on. Is it going to be online or on, uh, printed on paper? All of these affect, uh, of course, the, the actual design. So. Of course, research is very important, and unfortunately, there aren't so many resources online. I mean, in terms of, like, if you're researching history, you need to go to the old-style uh, kind of research, go to check books in libraries. You can always ask the community online, of course, if you know Arabic type uh, face designer whose work you like, you can uh, ask them for their advice, for example, but it's yeah, research is the most important thing, and also asking other people, having other opinions, and most specifically, research your your audience. Like it's very very important. Even if you're a native speaker, it doesn't mean you know how people uh, uh, behave in uh, the Arab world, because as I said, each country has their own you know culture, their own habits. So you should always uh, go back to. Uh, really asking uh, your audience. When we talk about um, typeface design in with Latin alphabets in the Western world um, and the design world in general, people often talk about visual trends and styles. Recently, I've been reading a lot of articles, especially at the end of the decade, a lot of articles came out to talk about how the previous decade was dominated by sans serif, minimal geometric typefaces, and a lot of people were optimistic that the new decade will kind of have changes a little bit and there was examples for ex there was examples mentioned in an article that was saying that they were seeing more usage of uh, the didonis typefaces and so they were hopeful that maybe we're gonna leave this minimal geometric typefaces behind a little bit so um for our listeners didonis typefaces didonis i think it's a combination uh the word is a combination between the Bodoni typeface and Dido typefaces, which are um, both their typefaces created by European designers back in the 18th century, I believe. And um, they are characteristic in a sense they have serif with them. And then there's a big contrast between the thick line and the thin lines in the same letters. So 
So just people get an idea what we're talking about when we talk about different styles or visual examples of typefaces. So um, to come back to what we're talking about, when I was reading this article, I was curious to, to kind of ask you, can we talk about the same thing? Do we have the same discussions? I don't know if there's enough typefaces maybe to, in the Arab world to really have this discussion, but do we have discussion about different visual trends, different school of designs and so on when we talk about the Arabic letter? Uh, yeah, of course. I mean, in every script, you know, there are uh, trends that uh, come and go. And in Arabic, uh, I would say now in the past uh, three years, we are more relaxed because we have kind of really high quality text typeface for long text and long paragraphs. And now you see there's more of a need for more title typefaces, more display. So people are Try I really tr now starting to explore the other um, uh, styles of Arabic. So, for example, I I, I have seen lately lots of uh, Rokaha uh, typefaces uh, being released. So Rokaha is like one of the styles in Arabic, which is uh, used uh, commonly, uh, you know, a lot on the street. It's really the handwritten uh, style, mm -hmm. uh, and it's like uh, the style that the easiest to learn in calligraphy and it has this you know pop popular effect uh, to it so now it's really coming back there there has been uh, very nice showcase released uh, recently also people are like uh, designers are exploring other styles like uh, diwani for example which is more like the kind of the elegant uh, style with swashes and so it's really everything that's more displayish because the nasr style which is uh, what we use for long text uh, has been set and it's kind of a traditional style so you cannot really go crazy with it so that's why now that people feel more creative in our field they are uh, like leaning towards other styles which is uh, really nice to see that people are exploring you know uh, uh, more uh, stuff and it's of course it's always positive to the market you know it's now the problem is even if it's a trend Unfortunately, the market is always based on like uh, need and demand. And honestly, I think, I mean, I'm really for, of course, creativity and everything. But unfortunately, uh, knowing a bit the market, if people are going to buy something, they're going to buy more like a really uh, mask style typefaces for text because they are solid there. They can be used everywhere. While the Roca is really kind of, uh, I would say, for a brand, it would be like an accessory. Uh, they wouldn't see the need to it unless they are. It's actually there in their logo, for example, or something. So the trends are really great, but unfortunately, yeah, the market needs more tough typefaces, solid typefaces that can be used everywhere and recycled everywhere. You know, uh, design agencies and ad agencies they want one typeface to use and reuse and reuse, like. Uh, because they're really not willing uh, to buy so many, <laughs> which is unfortunate. Unfortunate. Yeah. So you're a typeface designer for Arabic alphabet, as I mentioned. You designed a, f a typeface called Adele Song. Um, can you maybe talk about the story behind this typeface? Um, there's a typeface design for Latin alphabet called Adel Song. This one is Adel Song Arabic. So can you talk about the story behind it? Um, why did you start this um, type and you know did you had you know maybe challenges uh designing it and so on yes of course so adele font is a yeah it's a latin uh, typeface designed by a foundry called tag together 
and this typeface has been their bestseller for quite a long time now and they uh, this foundry would like to like expand their library to uh, to other scripts so actually they asked me to design Adele Sans Arabic uh, so, of course, the brief was that it needs to kind of match, you know, the Latin feeling, uh, the Latin style. It had uh, also eight uh, ways to it. So it was, um, the yeah, the challenge, of course, is, as I said, like first is to kind of um, design something that would fit uh, the feel of of the Latin, but also that is kind of versatile, you know, because Adele Sans, the Latin one, the, the brief for it was that it was for editorial design, but also it was used in titles, uh, for example, and the bold weights. So, yeah, the, the challenge was to recreate that exactly in Arabic. So just the fact that it was this versatile, I had to go for the Nasr style uh, for the Arabic, and uh, which is like the, the as I mentioned, the, the style we kind of read read with long text because it's because you are familiar with the style since our childhood. We are really kind of fast at reading it, and it's uh, the traditional style for reading. So from this date, I the, I had the structure of the font based on Nasr. And from there, you just start to build the letters based on the weight of the Latin, on the width of the Latin. Uh, they had to be harmonious in those specific uh, ways. So, uh, of course, uh, matching the weights and at the same time matching the functionality. So not to always have this in the back of your mind that you are matching the functionality of Adele Sans Latin. What Ad- whatever Adele Sans Latin is good at, the, the Adele Sans Arabic should be also good at. So, yeah, of course, I mean, I'm not going to go into the details of the challenges because there are so many uh, when designing such a huge family. But overall, um, uh, I mean, people were happy with it. And I think the, the the balance was, you know, kind of in the middle. You know, I didn't have to compromise that much. I mean, I didn't compromise, you know, the structure of the Arabic. And at the same time, I kind of made it a bit more rigid than, of course, a, a natural traditional math which if you look at calligraphy, it's so organic. And when you look now at Adele South Arabic, it has this uh, like structure and skeleton, but the, 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 like the habillage of the, the letter shapes is really constructed. If people are interested to check it out, you can go to the website typetogether.com. It's written type-together.com, and you can check the Adele South Arabic typeface there. And uh, and you can read more about it as well. And while I was reading about it, uh, there are specific terms that uh, were mentioned in the description that I thought was interesting to stop at a little bit. Um, in the description, I was mentioning the multilingual documents and multicultural branding. Can you maybe talk about that more here in Quebec and Montreal and Canada in general? We are familiar with the concept of multilingual documents. Designers often we are asked to design documents or ads or whatever that could contain the two languages together, so, so French and English. But both these languages also have the same alphabet, the Latin alphabet. So. It's easy mm-hmm. to make them fit together. That we can even use the same uh, typeface for both. And so when I read this, it made me think about you know multilingual documents. When it comes to um, mixing two languages that have completely two different fields, maybe or different alphabets. So 
So can you maybe talk about that, uh, about what what do you guys mean by multi multicultural branding as well? I thought it was interesting. So what do you mean by it? What, why is it important? Why is it interesting and so on? Yes, of course. I mean, the, it's important. It became important because there's not such a, a huge need for it, you know, especially brand, brands are going global and they're going international. They need to communicate with so many languages uh, nowadays. Maybe I'll start with the multicultural branding because to me it's much, it's much more complicated to achieve. Imagine you're a brand and you want to communicate in a different language. You need to communicate first of all through your logo. So you need to kind of have a matching logo um, that actually streams like your name. Even even if you you don't read Arabic, it should still kind of preserve the same, you know, branding as your original branding. So this is really, really tough, uh, like a design uh, challenge uh, if you're designing a matching logo, for example, for uh, if you're designing a matching Arabic for a Latin logo, let's say. So in the sense of more of a like larger communication of a brand, multicultural yeah, branding is just communicating in two languages in the sense that uh, you have to think, are you communicating on the same platform or is it, are we seeing both scripts at the same time or is it, or are they, like you have to click one extra button to see the other script, for example. Mm-hmm. Let's say you have a website. Are you seeing all the websites in English and Arabic or are you seeing one page in English and then you click on an, on an Arabic page and you see the Arabic page in Arabic? It's, it's very different decisions that you have to make and if both languages are on one page or if only one, you have only one script on one page. So this is, yeah, a bit complicated because you make different decisions depending on the situation you're in. But let's say, like in the case of many Arab countries who communicate in two different languages and in two different scripts, very often, as you mentioned, for example, in Montreal also, uh, you would have uh, both uh, scripts, both languages on one page. And this is where actually uh, a good typeface comes in, like a typeface where the matching of Latin and Arabic has been really worked on, then you really don't need to do that much. The typeface has already worked on it. It's already matching in terms of, uh, you know, the, the color of the page. So not the English is not more important than the Arabic. Uh, the, the English is not bigger than the Arabic. So the designer, the typeface designer has already done all of the work, basically. So now it's up to the typographer or to the designer to really put this uh, typeface into work and not, like, you know, change it in any way and just, uh, lay it out in a very a nice way to give both scripts, you know, the, the same value. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, of course, it's, uh, as a designer, you need to pick the right typeface. And also as a designer, you, you need to, you know, lay, lay out, like have really uh, kind of fair layout for each uh, language and each script if you don't want one to screen more than the other. So yeah, unfortunately, we see lots of mistakes uh, in these yeah in this field because people have no idea usually about the other script or they don't know how to pick the right typeface. I mean, I see lots of really bad examples, but there are also sometimes really good examples, mm-hmm. but they're just more rare. To finish our discussion, what do you hope to see in the future when it comes to the development of designs for um, Arabic uh, letters and Arabic alphabets? What do you, how do you think we can encourage more Arabic designers to design typefaces 
yeah so what do you wish people take away from this interview uh i think i mean yeah we need like i said we need more knowledge about this so graphic designers also really need to look into like be curious a bit about the process uh, and through the process they will also learn a bit about how to choose the right typeface i feel first of all the yeah the problem is really that there's not much awareness about how important a typeface is in a brand and communication uh, so yeah this is really an extra effort that graphic designers should make and i think that i mean it should first of all come also more from universities i mean i remember i didn't uh, have many like typography classes at university i wasn't aware of how important uh, picking a typeface is uh, in a project and then once this is set what will happen is that there will be more demand for this and therefore more maybe i hope that it will encourage more designers to be, become or not even if you're not a designer you don't have to be a designer but there it will encourage more people to become uh, avid uh, designers because they will because there will be you know more need for it, for it what we can do is push graphic designers to have more knowledge about typeface design uh push uh, more um, um, yeah design agencies to kind of like engage with their clients and explain to them how important communicating with the right typeface is to to a brand and yeah i mean of course i encourage uh, more arabic type designers first of all of course to enroll you know, for example uh, not necessary in a, necessarily in a year long program but there are many uh, uh, short programs nowadays or workshops that they can attend that can really um, give them the essence of uh, typeface design whether it's arabic or latin because yeah we don't want to go back to really uh, bad quality typefaces like we used to have i mean the i'm very very optimistic about the future and the the past uh, five years have been really good for Arabic type uh, face designer typeface design, uh, thanks to many talented uh, Arabic typeface designers. And um, yeah, I just wish for more high quality typographers who can handle the Arabic typefaces we already have and who can encourage brands to uh, to push them to create even more, so that we can have we can have more demand uh, in the market for type, for Arabic typefaces. Mm. It's interesting that you mentioned universities because I was, when I was kind of looking into um, Arabic typefaces and kind of preparing for this interview, I started thinking, uh, what did we learn? Because I did have my bachelor as well um, in graphic design. I had it in Lebanon. So I started thinking what kind of formation we got when it comes to typeface. Um, and designing with uh, Arabic sort of um, Arabic texts uh, during uh, during my three years in university, and I remember I never thought about it before, but I remember it's true that we didn't really think of Arabic uh, as uh, as as an important part of the design. So we had a typography yeah. class where we had to redraw the Latin alphabet and redraw big scale and understand how letters work, and we thought about them when it comes to design, but then when it comes to the Arabic language, I remember we only took a calligraphy class, which was more 
a side artistic thing, the same way we talk sculpture or anything else, just to kind of enrich our artistic knowledge. But we didn't look at it from a graphic design perspective. So I do think what you mentioned university, it is very important to kind of put that knowledge in future graphic designers. Yeah, definitely, especially in uh, in Lebanon. The problem is that uh, we are mostly in uh, like non-Arab uh, university. So because you are very influenced by the United States or France were either in an English or French university, for example, and we end up just taking typography, uh, like Latin typography, if you ever take typography classes, which is completely like ridiculous. I mean, this is why like so many other countries where Arabic is really has a more really uh, uh, weight in class, where they are really like uh, light years ahead of us. Like I'm thinking about Iran, Iranian designers, they have such a closer relationship with the script than us. I mean, I'm thinking also about Syria. In Syria, I'm sure you learn uh, like uh, calligraphy, of course, and let's say in art school, but I'm sure they have much more a closer relationship with the Arabic script. I mean, I remember going out from uh, even school, not, I'm not talking about university. I mean, I can... I could, like, when I write in Arabic, I, it was like as if I'm writing, you know, like a third uh, third script, a third language. It's not like I was writing my own language. Mm-hmm. And this is really shameful. But I'm very, very optimistic. Now things are, are changing, uh, especially I know in Beirut, there's more focus on Arabic typography nowadays in, uh, in graphic design courses. In Cairo, for example, in Egypt also, they're really... People are more conscious about this and they're really working on it. So I really hope things are going to change uh, in the future. Mm -hmm. So thank you very much. Before I go, do you want to mention interesting links? Uh, I mentioned type-together.com, maybe your own, the link of your own website, Instagram account, if you have one, everyone has an Instagram account. So if you can mention, (laughs) (laughs) if you can mention the links for our listeners. Um, I would mention maybe my Twitter, which is the most work-related uh, stuff. I post most really, most uh, work uh, stuff on it. So it's at three Azalam. So at three A Z A L A M. I think it's the it would be the most uh, like uh, uh, interesting for your audience. Mm-hmm. So with me on the phone from Spain, graphic designer and typeface designer Azala Medin. Again, thank you very much, Azza, for joining me today to talk about this very interesting topic. Thank you very much. It was great to talk about this. And yeah, I hope if anyone has uh, uh, comments or questions, they can uh, always uh, send me on Twitter uh, their questions. Or if uh, they, they can also um, uh, maybe ask you for my email, I would be happy to also to reply to emails. Yes, of course. So we will be posting a link uh, of this interview on our Facebook page, our new Facebook page. So if people want to know when your email, want your contact, they can also send us a message on the Facebook on our Facebook page as well. So uh, my name is Sausan Kadura, and you are listening to Digital Site. So that's it for us uh, for today. Just uh, maybe a small clarification just to avoid any confusion. Uh, When uh, during the interview we say that in Iran or Afghanistan they use Arabic, we obviously mean uh, the 
the alphabet. So that's what we're talking about, not the language. So, for example, in Iran, they speak Persian, but Persian is written with Arabic alphabets, kind of like how Spanish, English and French, they are all written with the same uh, Latin alphabet. So I just wanted to make that small clarification to make sure there's no um, confusion because Iran or Afghanistan and other countries were mentioned. So when we say they speak or write in Arabic or they they are close to the Arabic script, we are talking about Arabic letters and alphabet, not the language. So thank you very much for joining me again on this new episode of Digital Sites. Make sure to join me again next month for a new episode. Digital Sites air every first Thursday of every month from 2 to 3 p.m. on CQT 90.3 FM in Montreal. Uh, for one hour, we cover topics and news related to digital visual arts. And uh, also, final reminder that we have a Facebook page. So look for uh, digital sites and you will find us. And I will put the link of the interview I did with Azza there. So our next episode of Digital Sites will be on Thursday, March 5th. Make sure to tune in. My name is Sausan Kadura. I was your host for the hour. Thank you for listening.